wonderful sense of the presence of God here today. Isn't it great just to come and sit and soak? Kind of like, how many of you like saunas? Almost like sitting in a sauna, huh? Yeah, right. Colossians chapter 1 this morning, where we're going to start, we'll kind of keep coming back to the theme of Colossians 1 verse 9 this morning. I've preached on the will of God a number of times, but I've never preached this message as it is, so um, pray God will bless his word to our hearts this morning. Colossians 1.9, so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. Remember, Colossae was not a place where Paul actually was. Epaphras had planted a church there, and Paul became aware of them through Epaphras' visit to Paul when Paul was in prison. So this is one of those prison epistles Paul writes to a group of people he'd never seen, never knew but had heard a lot about. We have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. God, I pray for that, for my life, for all of our lives today, that you would cause us to have complete knowledge of your will. You would give us spiritual wisdom and understanding as how to walk out that will in our lives. We might experience the fullness of your will. I ask you for that in the name of Jesus, that it would... It would not be an idealistic concept. It would be a reality in our lives, Lord. The fullness of your will. In the smallest areas of life, as well as the huge areas of direction and decision and vocation, calling. May all of that be true in Jesus' name. To Paul, the knowledge of the will of God was absolutely essential. It was indispensable. It was a matter of focus. It was a matter of prayer. It was a, it was a matter of high priority. We see him, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Um, and then verse 12, Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of of Christ Jesus sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. Okay, so so this was this was something that that was really a part of the fabric of who Paul was, praying regularly for himself and for other people, this issue of entering fully into the will of God. Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians 5, we see Paul making reference 
again to the Ephesians verse 15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtfully, thoughtlessly, but understand what the will of the Lord is or what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, so Paul here again makes reference to this whole issue of us um, being focused on doing the will of God. David was a man after God's own heart. Psalm 40, verse 8, David says, I take joy in doing your will, O my God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7, uh, quotes Jesus. The writer of Hebrews quotes Jesus. Look, I have come to do your will, O God. I have come for one reason. To do your will, O God. John 4, 34, my food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. John 5.30 I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father. John 6.38 I have come down from heaven not to do my own will. Okay? So, Colossians 1, going back to that now, Paul says that through prayer, we can come to the full knowledge of the will of God with spiritual wisdom, with spiritual understanding. Um, The will of God in your life and my life needs to be a matter of intentional, fervent prayer. And many of us do not yet know the fullness of the will of God. And may I say we do not know the fullness of the will of God simply because we have not been fervent to pray about discovering the fullness of His will. We maybe talk about it. We talk about it to other people. We listen to people preach on it like you are this morning. You know, but we have not yet really intentionally, regularly made this a focus of prayer. If I would have, was to ask you, and I'm not going to have you raise your hands because, you know, I mean, there are some people that would raise your hand because you did it this week and feel very spiritual. And others wouldn't raise your hand, you wouldn't feel spiritual. So we're not going to do that this morning. But if I was to raise, ask you to raise your hands, how many of you fervently, regularly this week prayed that God would cause you to enter into the fullness of His will this week? I'm not talking about life, I'm just talking about this week. How many of you would say, yes, I have fervently, regularly prayed that God would cause me to enter into the fullness of His will? I would say that most of us, including Dave Ogren, probably haven't done that regularly and fervently this week. And then we wonder... You know, I should have had a V8. I, you know, we should, you know, we think, why haven't I been regularly and fervently praying that I would enter into the fullness of His will? We pray about a lot of stuff. You know, we pray for the kids, we pray for the grandkids, we pray for blessing, we pray for protection, uh, we we mumble some prayer over our food, right? Huh? Without thought, bless the food. Amen. Right? You know, instead of intentionally praying, you know, now, 
some places in the world that you've been, I've been, I have prayed intentionally <laughs> over food. But, but you know, I, I mean, uh, the, the reality is for most of us, you know, we just kind of blah, 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 blah. You know, but, but prayer should never be blah, 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 right? You know? So pray intentionally. But I want to encourage you to begin to regularly and fervently pray daily that God would cause you to enter into the fullness of His will. I believe you break through strongholds. I believe doors that are closed open. I believe God makes a way where there seems to be no way. When we get serious about His will. <laughs> when we say, God, I, this is important to me. Is it important? I think it is. Uh, let me just read... Um, how many believe Jesus tells the truth? Huh? Okay, yeah. Okay, Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Huh? On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We performed miracles in your name. But I will, rep- I will replay, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Why? Because they were not doing the will of God. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Pretty powerful. Matthew chapter 12, verse 46. As Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and brothers are outside and they want to speak to you. Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Do you think he was being disrespectful? Of course not. He was revealing a higher plane. Okay? A higher plane. And he pointed to his disciples and said, look, (laughs) these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, sister, and mother. See, it's not, it's not can, we, can we say all the right stuff? Can we sound Christian? Huh? How many kind of go, uh, sometimes to Christianese? I, I just get tired of people talking with Christianese when the world does, has no idea what you're talking about. You know, just talk normal. Talk about spiritual things with normal terms. Okay? Please don't use 16th century language. Nobody understands you. I think you're weird. You know, talk normal. You know. And, and, but, but it's important to you, uh, to, to God, not that you can talk the talk, but you walk the walk. That you actually are doing the will of God. Not that you look spiritual or sound spiritual or that you speak in tongues and what it was three weeks ago we talked about the upon of the Spirit. You know how important that is to me and, and spiritual language is very important to me. But, but, you know, we can do all of that and be out of the will of God. You know, I don't know of anybody like this, but... But I'm sure there are people like... There are people today that are on the mission field out of the will of God. They're there because they think it's spiritual. God wants them to work at, you know, whatever. 3M, Microsoft, 
You know, God says, I thought I called you there as a mission field. And you're going to Africa when I want you there? What, what, what are you doing? Why, why do we do that? Because it looks spiritual. You shouldn't go to Africa or Indonesia or Brazil or any other part of the world just because, because you think it's spiritual to do that. You should only go because that's the will of God for you. There are people on the mission field that are absolutely miserable, miserable today because they are out of the will of God. And there are some people here out of the will of God and they wonder why they're miserable. They jump from job to job to job and nothing satisfies and nothing, you know, they don't seem to have a place of ministry and it just doesn't seem to fit. And they go, what's wrong? They're out of the will of God. You need to find what God has for them. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2. It was all introduction. Okay, here we go. You'll be out in time to see the Vikings, don't worry. (laughs) Or for some of you, the Packers, right, Stan? All right. Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God is so rich in mercy, loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved, for He has raised us from the dead along with Christ, seated us with Him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples. (laughs) Isn't that great? He points to us in future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of His grace (laughs) and kindness towards us. So, Pastor Jim, you know, years from now when we're in heaven, God will point at Pastor Jim, He'll point at you, He'll point at you, and He'll say, "Ah, see that? There's an expression of my grace right there. Right? Right, Stephen? Yeah, it's wonderful. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness towards us as shown in all He has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you only by grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is the gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Now, okay, listen to this. And we all... We all know that, love that. For we are God's masterpiece or workmanship. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. All right. The source of of, of your salvation is clear here. Forgiveness from sin, resurrection life, restored relationship with God. Is all because God is so rich in mercy. It's all because God loved us so much. He gave His life. It's only because of God's grace and kindness. It's not achievement. It's not reward. It's not works. It's not any of that. <laughs> you know, I, I can't keep track of what stories I tell where. So here we go. Um, I, years ago, we were in Iowa, pastoring in Iowa, and there was a there was a couple guys who were going around the Midwest singing, and they were they were hysterically funny. I thought, yeah, I mean, it fit my humor anyhow. Some my wife probably did a lot for I, I mean, everybody has different humor, right? 
you know, you know, and I got, I got kind of slapstick humor and, you know, uh, kind of like that kind of stuff. Anyhow, they, they sang this weird song that I just loved and, and the song was, health food won't get you to heaven. Have I told this story here? Oh, good. Good, good, good. Okay. So, so health food won't get you to heaven. So, so in this story, they're telling a, in this song, they're telling a story. And the story is about this guy who ate health food all his life. How many, how many like health food or, or are really health food people? Okay. Good, good, good. All right. My wife is too, you know, and I am when I'm home. You know? (laughs) I'm a good boy when I'm home, you know. And she knows I break the rules when I get away, you know, so, so, anyhow, so, so anyhow, so I'm not against health food, you need to know that. Um, so, anyhow, they sing this song about this guy that ate health food all his life, and one day he died, and, and, and so there's the funeral, and, and, and they're walking by the funeral, the, the coffin, and they look at him, and they say, don't he look good? <laughs> You know, because he looked so healthy. He was dead, but he looked so healthy. Don't he look good? You know? You didn't get it, did you? <laughs> don't, they, they were talking about eating him. They were talking about don't he look good. It just said he looked healthy, you know. So, don't he look good? And, and, then, and then the course, of course, it was. Health food won't get you to heaven. Well, you know, good works will not get you to heaven. You figured that out? Okay. Very clear to all of us that no matter what we do, it's not going to get you to heaven by good works. It's all grace. It's all the goodness of God. It's all of that. All right. And that's, that is essential and important. But the Christian life is not all about the grace of God. It is not all about the gift of God. Ephesians 2 says that in this process, God has done something. In this process of salvation... We are His workmanship, NIV says. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Okay? In New Living Translation, for we are God's masterpiece. We are God's work of art. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Okay? So, when when God saved you, He not only put life into you, He also formed you. He also formed you into a work of art. You are His masterpiece. Now, okay. Okay. I went out last night to Target and uh, bought some Play-Doh. Okay. All right. Now, this is not a work of art. (laughs) How many agree with that? This is just a lump of Play-Doh, or we could call it a lump of clay this morning. And uh, I picked green on purpose, you know, because it's not male or female, it's not red or black or white, it's green. <laughs> so it represents all of us here today, okay? So here we are. Alright? This is this is green Plato. It's all of us. Alright? And 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 I want you to recognize something is that many of you see yourself like this. Alive, 
but you are just a lump of clay. And God does not see you like this at all. He does not see you like a lump of clay. Warren loaned this to me, so I'm very careful with this. He sees you like this instead of like this. He sees you something that is fashioned, a work of God's art, okay, where he fashions you. But I want you to know, now this sits in Warren's and Sue's um, uh, china closet, but he has not formed you to sit in the china closet. Okay? Just simply to look good. You know, he has formed you for purpose. And the heart of God is wounded when we see ourselves like this or we see ourselves like this, but we're only a fixture. We're not something that's being used. And God says, this isn't just to sit in some china closet where it doesn't get dust on it. But this is to be used. Your life is to be used. Your life is to have purpose. This by itself has no purpose. And many of you have seen yourself like this all of your life. Degrading, putting yourself down. I am nothing but a glob of clay. I'm alive, I'm a Christian, I belong to God, but I'm not worth much. And God would scream at you, no, that is not true. I've made you like this, and I've made you like this on purpose. Not like this, but like this. But like this for purpose. Not just like this. Some of you have seen yourself like this, but you've been sitting in some china closet for way too long. And God said, I didn't make you like this to sit in a china closet. I made you like this to use you for a particular purpose. Now, Warren and Sue, I'm putting this back very carefully. All right, there we go. Now, We need to understand and remember always that you are transformed from this to that. Not because of who you are or because of what you have done, but because of the master craftsman who has taken you and molded you and made you. So, so ultimately, it's all still grace. It's all still all that God has done. But, but he has formed you in a particular way on purpose to do something. We call that what? We call that the will of God. When God changes you from this, okay, into this, and He says, okay, this is given with purpose. I want you to be used in a particular way, in a particular place, for a particular purpose. We call that the will of God. That's what the will of God is. The will of God is moving you from being, you know, Play-Doh that doesn't really do anything to transforms you, oops, I was holding up the upside down, transforms you into this where you are transformed into something beautiful on purpose with 
purpose, with design, because of who you are. And that's true for each and every one of us. We're all that way. We're all that way. So, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says, God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do His will, to do what pleases Him. Okay? So God has molded you, made you, changed you, transformed you, works in you, gives you the power, gives you the desires. Why is it that God has given you a particular bent? Some of you have a bent towards music. Some of you have a bent towards art. Some of you have a bent towards mechanics. Some of you have a bent towards cooking. Some of you have a bent towards education. Some of you have a bent towards people. Some of you don't have a bent towards people at all. If you don't see people all week long, you are fine with that. You know, and some of you just people shrivel up if you are not with people all the time. All right? Because we're different people. You know, and it's not like one is right and one is wrong. It's that God has made us different. He has formed us in a particular way on purpose to be something for His glory with purpose. Some of you are in college right now. God has you where you are on purpose because a part of this is a forming process where He's making you. He's creating you on purpose to be a particular work of art on His on, on, on his agenda, not on your agenda. Okay? So there's this discovery process. Praying. Seeking God. Being open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Understanding what is the will of God. God, how have you made me? How have you formed me? And for what purpose have you formed me? And as we read from what Jesus said, is it important? Absolutely. Is discovering the will of God important to God? Yes, it is. He grieves, I believe he, he grieves over so many of his precious people who either see themselves like this and do nothing or see themselves beautiful but still doing nothing. He grieves over that. Would you get beyond this? You are not this. He has formed you. On purpose. With reason. To do something. (laughs) To do something. You are His workmanship. To do His will that He planned long ago. Long before you were born, Stephen, he looked at you and said, I have a plan for Stephen Ugin, and this is my plan for his life, and I want to do dum da dum da dum da dum Okay? How many are on a journey? We are all on a journey of discovering that, and, and, and it changes, doesn't it, huh? It changes. But a part of God's plan for you is that you do something. You know what that's called? Hold your breath. Work. W-O-R. Work. Now, some of you think work is evil. Work is a part of the curse. God never intended His people to work. It's not true. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, verse 15. Adam's in the garden. God's put him there to tend and watch over it. To cultivate and administrate it. Okay, 
So God never intended for Adam simply to lie in a hammock with a cold lemonade singing in the Spirit all day. Didn't intend that. It's okay to sing in the Spirit, but He doesn't want you to do that all day. He wants you to W-O-R-K. Huh? Yes. Schedule is good. Have you found that? Even retired people. Retired people that are, ha- that are happy are people who have discovered a new schedule. They're retired now, and, and, and the people that I know who are retired, they're the most happy when they're busy. And they're saying, I am more busy now than when I was working. How many retired people have said that? Yes, okay. All right. That's a good thing, because God has made you to work. Work is not evil. Work is not simply capitalism. Work is God's plan that you do something with your life according to His will. Alright? It fulfills us. It causes us to use what was given to us. We become, interestingly enough, the Scripture calls us co-laborers with God. Okay? Not co-nappers with God. Let's take a nap together. No, let's co-labor. God has called you to work. He's called you to sweat. He's called you to work hard at what you're doing for His purpose. He's called you to what, whatever, whatever you are, whatever you look like, whatever God has made you to be, He's called you to work hard at what He's given you to do. One of the greatest curses in the body of Christ is laziness. Oh God, you do it. God says, hey, I have formed you. I have made you. Get out there. Do something. Don't just sit there. Do something. Get out there and work. I've made you in a particular way. I just thought of an illustration, but I'm sure it wasn't from the Lord, so I'm not going to say it. (laughs) Okay, 1 Corinthians 3 talks about we are God's workers, field, and building. It's interesting that that in that same context, Paul talks in verse 10 about that, that he was a master builder. He saw that what he was doing It took effort and time and focus and energy. He was working at this. He was a master builder. Why? Because not only was he called to do something, but he recognized that it didn't end with him. There would be others that would follow him that would build on what he had built. And he had a responsibility to build wisely with energy and focus. Genesis chapter 3 reveals to us that thorns and thistles, fruitlessness, futility, and grief is part of the curse. What, what, what's it called? NIV calls it toil. Toil. Um, New Living Translation calls it, you will struggle to scratch a living. <laughs> okay. NIV says, through painful toil you will eat. You see, God has not called you to toil. He's called you to work. They're different. Toil speaks of futility and grief and fruitlessness. I met a guy years ago. His name was 
Harlan Wassell. And Harlan Wassell was a missionary to Indonesia, Borneo, okay, years and years and years ago. We were in our first church on Vashon Island, and it was a little building built in 1895, and it looked like it. It seated 72 people, and it was narrow and not very long. And uh, I remember when, when Harlan came for a mission service on a Sunday night, and he came with this long um, snakeskin, and it went up the wall on one side and across the floor and up the wall on the other. Now, it wasn't, like, it wasn't big like this. You have to understand that. That's why I said about that building. It was much smaller. But, but at the same time, it was, it was unbelievable. And he told us some stories that day and at other times. And, and I was transfixed by some of his stories. And he told once about how, and this was when Borneo was all full of headhunters and no white man had ever gone where he had gone. And, and, he, and he, he literally um, spent 18 days, one day paddling, not one day, but 18 days paddling um, upstream. Okay, how many of you ever paddled upstream against the current? You know, not, not, with a, not with an engine, not with a motor, not with a mercury motor, but 18 days of paddling. You know, I've, I've, I've gone, Dave and I have been in the boundary waters, and, you know, when the, when the wind is coming against you, you know, and you're in, in the canoe, and you're paddling and paddling and paddling and not getting very far, you can imagine what it was like to do that for 18 days. Six days walking in the jun- jungle, he talked about all the bloodsuckers that he have to pull off his body, you know, every day, just amazing, and all the animals and all the insects and all the stuff that was going on. But in the process of this, told some amazing stories that I've never hear, heard anybody tell, ever, before or since. He said he went to one village, and um, he was met by the witch doctor, and the witch doctor said, we're going to find out if you are from God or if I am from God, and we will have a power encounter right now. And it was almost, you know, it, it wasn't almost, it was literally, you call fire from heaven, I'll call fire from heaven, we'll see who's bigger, and guess what? God was bigger, you know? He went to another village, he began to share the gospel with them, and immediately the whole village responds. Everybody responds and comes to Christ. He's talking to the chief of the village, and he says, I don't understand this. Listen to this. The guy said to him, he said, you don't understand. We have known for generations that God had sent his son and had died for our sins and had shed his blood so that we would have eternal life. We just didn't know his name. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that powerful? Huh? Still gives me goosebumps, you know, 35 years later, you know. Now, if Harlan was here today, he's home in glory now, but if he was here today, and, and if you would ask him, was that a lot of work? He would say, absolutely, it was a lot of work. But was it toil? It was no toil. It was all work. But no toil. See, God has called you to work. 
But he has not called you to toil. He's called you to work as a school teacher. He's called you to work as an engineer. He's called you to work as a nurse's aide. He's called you to, to, to work as a mom. He's called you to work as a dad. He's called you to work at whatever God has called you to do. He's called you to work at it with the anointing of the Holy Spirit because God has made you a particular way and don't you call yourself junk. Don't you look at yourself like this. You are not this. You are this. Made with purpose. And you compare yourself to other people and you say, I'm not like this person. I'm not... Good. 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 Because God doesn't want you to be like them. He's made you in a particular way on purpose. God has called you to significance. He's called you to fruitfulness. He's called you to purpose. He's called you to His plan. He's called you to His work. There are the works of the devil. There are the works of darkness. There are the works of the flesh. There are dead works. And there are what the Scripture calls good works or godly works or, or, or works that are initiated by God. And that is what we call the will of God for you. Is when you begin to do what God has called you and made you to do. That is the will of God. One day, and I'm done now. Um, one day, and I've said this once before, but it, but it is, is kind of my life, um, not, I don't really call it my life verse, but it is my life biblical principle. And it's found in, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 23. And, and it's just a part of this story that Jesus is telling. But this is what's in my mind all the time, just regularly, almost daily. Is that one day I'm going to stand before Jesus. And it really isn't going to make any difference what other people think. It's not going to make any difference what impression I tried to give people as far as who I was. Who cares? Who cares if I if they thought I was spiritual? Who cares at that point? Let me just tell you a personal story from to, from yesterday. Um, I've got a friend um, in the Northwest who is about my age. He was a youth pastor when we were both young and is, was a very successful builder for many years. And um, Dorlin and Rhoda are people that are close to us and um, wasn't, you know, that long ago that they had dinner at our house. Um, but here a few months back, uh, Rhoda, perfectly healthy, all of a sudden, they discovered that she had pancreatic cancer. And some of you know that is cancer that just rages through a body very quickly. And we were, they were praying, looking for healing, um, doing everything they could to see her well. And uh, Friday I was talking to him on the phone. And he said, well, 
she's sleeping about three out of every four hours now. So it looks like it's close. And um, I flew into Minneapolis yesterday. And when I got here, I opened my computer and there was a message from Dorland's son, Arnie, that said, this morning, mom went home to be with the Lord. I mean, just four days ago, she was making gravy in her house. Very weak, very sick, but still (laughs) determining she was going to make gravy for fish cakes and gravy, you know, typical Norwegian. But now Rhoda is in heaven today. And it doesn't make any difference impressions. You can't live by impression. Who cares? Who cares what people think about Dave Ogren? I mean, there is a point where it's important, but ultimately it's not important what people think about you or think about me. What's ultimately important is that we are doing what God has called us to do because one day, as Rhoda is right now, one day you will stand before Jesus and I will stand before Jesus and the only thing that will matter is that he says, well done, good character, good. God's very concerned about character, good, honesty, how you treat your wife, how you treat your husband, how you treat your kids, you know, how you treat people that work with you, how you treat people that work for you, how you do your business, how you pay your bills. Good, good. That's important to God. Good and faithful. Faithful to what? Faithful to his will. Faithful to his plan. Faithful to his purpose. It's the only thing that's going to count. And it just has gripped me, this whole idea, Tom, I don't want Jesus to look at me and say, Dave, you missed it, man. I had so much more. If you would have just been obedient to my calling in this season. You know, oh, God. That just grips me. And frankly, it doesn't make any difference if I'm traveling all over country preaching or if I'm driving school bus. It really doesn't make any difference as long as I'm doing the will of God. God wants me to drive school bus? Okay, I've done that before. I can do that. If God called me to be a nuclear scientist, I think that would be a little difficult. (laughs) I'm sure he wouldn't call me to that. (laughs) But he could call me to to drive school bus. (laughs) And I need to be willing to do that, right? Because it doesn't make any difference what I do. What makes the difference is that I am doing what he wants me to do. So when I stand before him, he said, you did it! That's the only thing that counts. And if I do that, if I do that, if I discover that, if I pray about that, if I'm concerned about that, if that's what I pray about regularly and focus on regularly, then when I stand before him, I will be able to do so with tears, but with great joy because I finished the task and I ran the race. I did what he wanted me to do. And nothing else 
really matters. God, I just pray you will help us to hunger after knowing and doing the will of God. Work it deep within our hearts. We can be passionate about so many things, but help me to be passionate about your will. As the worship team comes this morning, I just want you to bow your heads with me today. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even really have a call this morning, really. <laughs> because I know that God speaks and works at us at so many different levels because we've come from different places of life and and God is speaking. He uses one thing, another thing, worship, the word, whatever. But if this morning you sense that God spoke to your heart and you're saying, God, I want to I want to not only hear this, I want I want to not only be hearer, but I want to be a doer of your word. Whatever you've spoken to me today, I want to activate it. If that's if that's your heart, just just close your eyes, raise your hands to the Lord and say, Jesus, here I am. I want to activate what you've called me to do, what you've called me to be. <laughs> I may not do it perfect. He's not looking for perfection. He doesn't care about that. He wants you to be faithful, not perfect. Faithful. He wants you to be a person of character and he wants you to do it faithfully. He could care less if you do it perfect. Just do it with all of your heart. And like, like many of us who are daddies, when we saw our kids do something, we loved it. <laughs> it didn't have to look very good. We loved it. And he loves what you do. He loves what you do. He not only loves who you are, but he loves what you do. May you do what he's called you to do in the name of Jesus. God bless you. Let's stand together.